Hello, everyone. Today, we are continuing with our digital economy series. And on this podcast, we'll be talking about Africa's digital inclusion. What is digital inclusion? Digital inclusion is the ability of individuals and groups to access and use information in communication technology. And the question becomes, why is this even critical? As the internet becomes increasingly embedded in the lives of individuals, communities, and nations, it is more critical than ever before to ensure universal access. The founder of WWW, Tim Banali, argues that internet access is actually a human right. Does this apply to Africa? Why is digital inclusion so important for Africa? To find out, please join me and my guest Nicholas and Samantha in this episode as we talk about Africa's digital inclusion while we're looking at the report prepared last year by the World Benchmarking Alliance. Be my guest. Thank you. Welcome to Tech Over Africa with Wangari Jadi. This is one woman's take on the story of the rising digital economy in Africa. On the show, we talk to expert guests on all things tech. Is a tech uptake in Africa all good, all bad, or somewhere in between? Join us as we interrogate and make sense of the policies that guard our interests. Disruption is often a messy process. So where will we be once the dust settles? Thank you so much for Nicholas and Samantha for agreeing to join me on this session. On today's podcast, we'll be talking about Africa digital inclusion. And I happened to meet these wonderful folks at Africa Roundtable on Digital Inclusion that was organized by World Benchmarking Alliance and was co-hosted with Collaboration and International ICT Policy for East and Southern Africa, abbreviated as CPESA. And I liked uh, the conversation that we were having in this roundtable. I really enjoyed and got a lot of insights. And I decided to invite these wonderful folks to this podcast, talking about Africa taking an active part in the world digital economy. It's very important to understand digital inclusion and actually what that means when it comes to thinking about Africa being an active producer of technological products and services as opposed to just being a consumer. I'd like to start by inviting both of you to kindly introduce yourselves. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. I am Nicolas Serre, the Engagement Manager Digital Inclusion Benchmark at the World Benchmarking Alliance, and I support stakeholder engagements, organizing events, as well as building partnerships with, with other organizations. Awesome. Sounds amazing. How about Samantha? Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for having myself and Nicholas here. I work as a research analyst with the Digital Inclusion Benchmark. My measurement area or research area of focus within digital is uh, use. So that's looking at cybersecurity, safety, all of those things. And I'm also doing quite a bit of work on engaging with the companies. So thinking of ways to take the benchmark and the benchmark results forward, helping them figure out how to implement some of these results within their organizations. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I seem to have the best folks in the room to talk about Africa digital inclusion. So let's start. Tell us about digital uh, inclusion report 2020 that we spoke about in the roundtable. My first question, is this the first ever digital inclusion report or have you been working on similar reports on annual basis in the past year? Yes, this report that came out, the one in 2020 was our first uh, report. It covered 100 companies based all across the world, across different industries. And this year, we will be adding 15 new companies. 
And that report, that benchmark is due to go live in December of this year. Mm -hmm. And next year we'll be adding an additional 50 companies. And that's going to take us up to 200 companies in 2022. Amazing. When you talk about this company, are they local companies? Are they government? What kind of stakeholders are we talking about? So these companies are a mix. So as I said, they cover different industries. So this is, and these are companies all the way from Acer to ZTE. So it's manufacturers of semiconductor all the way to software and platform companies that we know and use like Facebook or Google. And it's a mix that some of them are private, some of them are publicly listed, and some of them might be government owned. Okay. And what prompted the need to have a digital inclusion report? So digital transformation, basically, it's part of, you know, uh, the seven systems transformation that we cover. We also work on food and agriculture, nature, corporate human rights. So digital is basically part of what WBA does. And it's basically looking at how we can motivate and incentivize the work of the private sector to achieve the sustainable development goals. Digital plays a critical role in supporting other systems in achieving the SDGs, despite there not being a dedicated SDG on digital, hence the focus. That makes a lot of sense. So going back to Samantha, you spoke about the diversification of various stakeholders that are contributing to lessen the digital divide in Africa. My question is, how do you actually track inclusion? And what are the measurement metrics that you use? Again, going back to the diversification of the various stakeholders, I believe you're dealing with maybe civil society, maybe tech giants, private sector non-for-profit, government. So how do you track inclusion given that, one, there's a lot of research that has shown the scarcity of research-based uh, evidence of access, connectivity, and adoption of technology in Africa? And two, digital inclusion and divide continues to expand as technologies do. Given these two challenges, how do you actually track inclusion? Uh, that's a great question. So let me start with how we track or measure digital inclusion is across four measurement areas, namely access, skills, use, and innovation. And so access is normally our starting point. So within the benchmark, we're looking at the different efforts that companies do to help people access technology. And then the idea is that once they have this access, the next key thing is skills. Because once you have access to the technology, you need to be able to know how to use it in order to further your livelihood, whether that's just socially or whether that's through work. And so we look at things like our company supporting digital skills development from basic all the way to advanced advanced skills and also looking at whether they are supporting things like school connectivity. And so once access and skills are underway, the other key measurement area is use. And this is looking at all the things that companies can do to help the users of technology feel safe to use the technology. So this is looking at their efforts around cybersecurity. And for example, if a data breach takes place, what steps do these companies take to monitor it or to rectify that? And the last measurement area where um, we're measuring digital inclusion is innovation. 
And here we're looking to see that innovation is taking place in an inclusive, sustainable and ethical. For example, we might look at AI ethics. So that's artificial intelligence ethics that companies have in place while they're researching or whether some of their research is aligned to the sustainable development goals. And so now going to the scarcity of research, that's a great point. And what I have tended to see is that while there is some research available, it does tend to be quite industry focused. So for example, there is quite a bit of research there by GSMA or ITU, but it tends to have a telecom focus. And then this is another place where the digital inclusion benchmark really steps in because it goes across different industries across different countries. So it's quite broad and we are, we do find it quite important to have an Africa focus. And something that's interesting to note on this point is that the global research coming from Africa is less than 1%, which is quite. And so as part of our efforts to support this, the benchmark finds it quite important to share our research across the continent and to partner with local institutions to grow the body of research um, on digital inclusion. And that is one of the ways that we are making sure that Africa isn't excluded from digital inclusion research. And so there isn't a divide in, in that way. Yeah, that's a very good answer, and I'm glad you answered it extensively. Those are some of the things that actually pulled me towards the kind of conversations we were having the roundtable. Because as I've continuously done my research, I discovered there's yeah, there's scarcity of research, and a lot of it, like you say, is anecdotal and probably industry reports. So my bone of contention has always been, what about other things that are happening in the grassroots that we don't know about? Because there's a lot of digital inclusion activities that are happening in the rural or in the villages that we actually do not know about. And it's impressive to see an organization like World Benchmarking Alliance coming together to try to collate this data and put it out there to the world. Although it may not be extremely accurate, but at least there's something going on and there's something to read from. That's, that's my... T I'd also like to say that there's been claims that access to and adoption of technology will help countries achieve socio-political economic development. We do know that it's very important what World Benching Alliance is doing, but this was, there's been critique. There's been criticism that ICTD4D, which is Information and Communication Technologies for Development, and M4D, which is mobile for development, as the most, the two most popular theoretical frameworks, that these are not helping us to be able to give the actual or the accurate reality of what is happening on ground when it comes to digital inclusion. What does the digital inclusion report from your end say about this? So from our end, within our synthesis report, which was published based on the 2020 benchmark results. The synthesis reports goes into um, detail about the different results and key findings, and it's online and publicly available if anyone is interested in having a look. So within this report, we identified different ways in which digital inclusion and the support of digital inclusion can have a positive impact on social um, development or economic development. 
And one example I can give here is bridging the digital divide for women mm -hmm. and girls. There's an opportunity here we found within the benchmark for companies to step up and to do more to bridge this divide. And this could be by having programs which support access or digital skills for women and girls. And so if companies step up into this role and increase that support, that can then end up having a multiplier effect because these women would then have the skills. They would be able to benefit through jobs. It doesn't need to be jobs within the tech industry, but being able to use tech gives you many more opportunities. And that then has an effect which grows on in society socially and also economically. So that's just one um, example. That's a great example. So what I'm just wondering is, so far from what you've gathered with your digital inclusion report, how active do you think Africa is in playing an active role in the world digital economy? We believe that Africa has a great potential in the digital economy, and much of this has not been exploited. For example, recently, AFC and Google published a report that shows that there's $180 billion in the digital economy that is yet to be tapped, and the continent is still lagging behind, especially in areas of access and digital skills, which are essential to utilizing technologies to the fullest. Therefore, our interest in assessing these companies that have a presence in Africa, as well as headquarters in Africa, is to ensure accountability. We do this by partnering with organizations so that they can use our data to inform the advocacy activities and so that we can fully exploit the digital economy. That's a good answer. And I like the fact that you say we're lagging behind, right? Because if you read a lot of popular press, you're going to see a lot of hype and buzz about, oh, Africa is finally penetrating, or oh, we are leapfrogging, or oh, now the dark continent is brightening up. I like the fact that your research goes back to back up other empirical research. We're lagging behind in terms of access. And also the other thing I liked from the roundtable is that your team was able to point out that access is not the only way to measure inclusion. And I think Samantha has touched a lot on digital skills, connectivity usage, adoption, and digital competence which is your key in adoption of technology. While we understand the importance of digital uh, inclusion, but we do know the active players, that the people who are actually bringing us this connectivity, digital foreign farms, mainly the United States and also China, are we not reproducing or reinstating older power structures? Some scholars have questioned the investment of digital and data infrastructure by foreign digital firms. They've regarded this as digital colonialism. There's been other digital harms and imbalances, things like privacy, security, invasion of data, invasion of privacy. Even in a country like Kenya, for example, let me say Africa in general, there's weaker or non-existing policies that actually protect consumers when it comes to these issues. So what is the take on these neocolonial undertones? In other words, is digital inclusion entirely a good thing or a bad thing? That's a really great question and some really great points you've made there. So our feeling is that digital inclusion needs global cooperation for it to be fully achieved. Within Africa, a lot of the digital inclusion efforts that are currently underway are influenced by governments. But as you mentioned, and as we know, 
there can be limitations to what governments can do. And this is where companies with resources, which with skills, with knowledge, this is where they can step in to support these efforts for digital inclusion. However, as you mentioned, we agree that it's important that companies do this in an ethical and sustainable way without violating the rights of end users in whichever market they operate. And it would be great for governments to step into this role of co-developing inclusive policies, which guide the activities of these foreign um, companies to ensure that there is digital data protection, there is digital sovereignty, and that local innovations aren't compromised at the expense of having this international company support. To answer the other part of your question, we do believe that digital inclusion is a good thing. We believe there are many benefits to it for everyone, but something that's quite important for not only this benchmark, but for the World Benchmarking Alliance as a whole, is that nobody is left behind. It needs to be done in a way that leaves no man behind, okay. no man or woman for that matter. Yeah. That's a good summary. And it sounds so ideological, like it's what we all want. And we hope that we'll able to get there, given that we're not in control of most of these things. And we just hope as African governments, because we do understand what digital inclusion means as a continent to move forward. We need to play an active role in production of our, you know, digital technologies, services and products. But also we need to be aware of the potential opportunities and threats and protect people. So Nicholas, do you mind taking us through some of the opportunities and threats that the World Digital Inclusion Report has shown from your end? Yes, as we all know that even now we are using the internet and it's thanks to the digital inclusion and there's an opportunity for us to discuss digital inclusion in Africa. So this is just an example of an opportunity that we are talking about. Other opportunities include, you know, participating in democratic conversations, participating in open and ethical innovations, and basically things to do with support towards education for marginalized groups. So those are limitless, really, opportunities. The World Benchmarking Alliance Digital Inclusion Benchmark, we also take a good look at the threats that come with the internet and technology. So things to do with cybersecurity threats, online harms towards children, bullying, data harvesting, unethical data harvesting, among other things that everyone can converse and participate in debates without uh, their privacy being breached and being without being threatened. And we believe that people must have trust in technology for it to, to be fully inclusive in nature. Yeah, that's a very good parting shot, trust in technology, because like I mentioned, I always feel like Africa, we're playing catch up to technology. And the reason is we probably have other competing needs. For example, even when you look at things like fintech, fintech credit apps, I'm not going to mention names, but if I am in a competing position where I need money, in exchange of my data, I will most likely give the data. And most likely, I don't even know there's a data breach going on. I don't even know if they're going to use my data to profile me for something else, to track me or to market to me anything. Because one, I probably do not know uh, of these digital harms that they exist. And two, I have competing needs. I need money. I need to take care of a bill or something. So 
that comes first. I feel like there's a lot of education that needs to go back to us as African people, because when it comes to digital rights, sometimes we do not even know we are being harmed when we expose ourselves or our information online. So yeah, it's good to see that World Benchmarking Alliance is bringing these things out and trying to educate the masses. Of course, through your partners, that's a good thing. There's been a lot of talk that technology played such a major role during COVID-19, the pandemic. And like you mentioned, yes, we are in like two different continents and having this conversation. So I'm just wondering what role did technology inclusion play or did not play during the COVID-19 pandemic, especially in 2020 when life was just turned upside down across the world, but work needed to continue. So basically, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic has highlighted that there's a huge digital divide in Africa because people have required to use the internet to continue doing their business, working remotely due to the movement restrictions and all that. And if you look at a recent report, a 2020 report by the GSM, it indicated that 4G coverage, which are really is essential for most of the services to run from agriculture to industry. Only 49% uh, of people are connected. And also there's a huge gender divide in digital access and skills in sub-Saharan Africa. And so these are some of the barriers that our work seeks to address. And we feel that there's a, an urgent need for multi-stakeholder collaboration to push for accountability and action so that no one is left behind. That's very true. So it goes back to our previous conversation where we were saying that we're still lagging behind as a continent. So what are some of those gaps that you realized during COVID-19 pandemic? I think I can answer that broadly. And I think Samantha also mentioned it. In Africa, it's quite different when it comes to connectivity and access. Governments play a critical role in things to do with regulation, taxes on social media, for example. And really, these are some of the gaps that we see. And so we take a multi-stakeholder approach in, in addressing some of these issues, partnering with other organizations who uh, we can speak with on the same language to address some of these gaps. Okay. Samantha, would you have an example that you would like to add? Some examples would be companies who um, stepped up to make access to education materials free or low cost, or some of the efforts that they might have done around disinformation around the coronavirus, which governments also supported during this time. But it does raise the question of why weren't these things done by companies before? So why wasn't access to education material free or uh, at a subsidized lower cost before and what steps were they taking about disinformation before and so while we don't have these answers directly as the benchmark we have been collecting all the different efforts um, that companies have been doing around this time that link with digital inclusion and by collecting it and helping to make it publicly available that's one way we can hold these companies to account. That's very good. I felt like the cost of the internet back at home, Africa is actually quite expensive. And as we're becoming more digitally inclined where we're accessing most products and services online, people are having to forego probably some of the basic needs just to be online. What is your take on that? What are the findings of your research in terms of the cost of the internet, maybe in comparison to other 
you know, countries in the global south and what are some of the proposals that you have given to stakeholders to be able to make it more affordable? Within the benchmark, we don't specifically look at the cost to internet. We look at the barriers quite broadly. But in um, our research, when we were coming, when we were putting together the methodology and in speaking with different partners, we did find that cost is often quite a high barrier, but along with cost is skills. Even if, I guess, somebody has access and they are able to meet the costs, which you're right, can be often quite expensive. If they don't have the skills, then that's another stumbling block for them. And so that's the area we tended to focus in. There is a lot of research on this being done currently, though, by GSMA. They published a report quite recently last year, which looks at the impact of the cost of internet on people's usage. So that's quite an interesting report and I would recommend it. Yeah, thank you for that. I'll definitely look it up. I feel like we as a continent are getting to understand the benefits of the technological access, but then cost becomes an impending thing that makes that impossible for us to fully enjoy the benefits of technological access. What would you say is the desired outcome out of a whole digital inclusion report? What is it that you want to see achieved? In summary, we want to see an inclusive digital economy and society. Uh, that is the end goal. So our work is free and publicly available for stakeholders to use for advocacy in policy, investment, company behavior change, which is central to what we do. We have started working with various stakeholders through our Collective Impact Coalition, which is an initiative uh, to bring together allies to take action on specific issues around digital inclusion. Okay, that's a perfect answer. But do you think in our life, is it ever possible to actually abolish the digital divide? It is a challenge. Yes, I fully think that it's possible. But as Nicholas was saying, and I'll let him speak more about this, it's possible, but it's not something that's easy. And so there are some difficulties to this, and some of them we've already discussed. But I do think that it's possible. Yeah, it is possible. And we do acknowledge that there's a challenge. And if you look at the UN Secretary General's roadmap on digital cooperation, uh, it is critical that all stakeholders come together. So governments, companies, investors, to discuss some of these critical issues. Because in societies, for example, where we have the gender divide, it's all about uh, really societal structures that affect some of these issues to do with access to technologies by women and girls. So this requires concerted efforts to address some of these challenges. Yeah, I like your kind of positivity. And I really hope that we ultimately get there. I have my own reservations, of course, just like you guys, but there's a lot of challenges. It's, it's going to be a very tough 360 to hit and maybe not even in our lifetime, because look at even countries like the United States where the internet was born. There's so many people without access to the internet, or even if they have access, there's digi lack of digital competencies like Samantha mentioned. There's all these competing needs and barriers that may not really get us there in terms of digital inclusion. So connectivity, maybe we'll have a strong digital footprint and mobile footprint and everybody might have access in some years to come. But I 
do not entirely agree that we can 100% abolish the digital divide. But I like your positivity. It's it's amazing. Someone has to be positive about it for these things to get done. I like all the work that the World Benchmarking Alliance is doing with all the stakeholders. And I hope that all the stakeholders come together and we get to work together and get us there because we do know the benefits of technology. I was just smiling when uh, Nicholas mentioned the child uh, protection policy, cyberbullying, and all those other policies that your organization is pushing for. That's quite positive. We've come to the end of our conversation. Thank you so much for having us here. As mentioned before, we believe that digital inclusion is possible, but we really think that collaboration across different parties, different levels, different countries, all of that is so important in order to be able to drive it forward. We especially think it's quite important that Africa is included in this journey. The goal is digital inclusion, where we leave no one behind. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Let's keep talking. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for listening to Tech Over Africa with Wangarin Jadi. If you liked what you heard, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple or Spotify podcasts so we can spread the word and the story of a rising digital economy in Africa. For more details on this episode and its host, please visit wangarinjadi.com. Alternatively, follow us on social media. Just look for Tech Over Africa. This podcast is produced by Wangarinjadi and Podcast Carry.